Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Familiar scripture this morning, and I just pray that God is going to speak to us by his word. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, however, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit and for your presence that's here today. And I just pray that by the Holy Spirit that you would... Just come and help us understand the spirit of your word today. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in our hearts and lives. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, I pray. I just want to be an instrument in your hands. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be grace to speak the word, to hear the word. And that, Father, because of what happens here today, it's going to be a thought, an idea an idea that's going to speak into our lives and it's going to just change what we do this week and ultimately our eternal destinies. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 It's the final message in a series we've been in entitled Tools uh, for Life. series is about defining the essential tools, the qualities, the attributes that are going to help us live the life that God intended us to live. Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law, of the law. Again, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of of this law. Text says that the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things, they belong to us. Well, what are the secret things? Secret things are the challenging circumstances of life, the unexpected problems, the perplexing situations, the things in life that we don't understand, the storms that seem to come out of nowhere, those situations that we, we, just, we just don't understand why or what's happening in our lives. It's the secret things. The things that don't make any sense. We, we, we know who God is. We, we, know, we know what God is like. But, but, but the circumstances we're going through just don't seem to make any sense to us. That's the secret things. But then there's the revealed things. What are they? Well, the real, revealed things are the principles, the knowledge, the teaching, the wisdom that God has made available to you and me through his word. It's what God has revealed to us through his word. And here's the thing. So often we spend our whole life focusing on the secret things. 
So often we spend our whole life focusing on the bad experiencing, the whys of life, the things we don't understand, the family history, the way we wanted it to happen, but it didn't happen. It didn't go the way we thought. Nothing wrong with any of those questions, just for the record. We do need to work through some of those situations, but we tend to spend our whole life on those things. We spend so much of our life trying to understand the stuff that we cannot understand, the unexpected, And in so doing, we miss the benefits of doing what God has revealed. The principles that are not ambiguous, that they're not vague, they're clear truths that have been revealed to us. And they're the things that we are responsible for. Key verse for this series has been, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Big question is, what, what, what do we need to do to, to, to run the race that God has marked out for us? The idea behind this is that God has a plan for our lives, that God has a purpose for our lives. We're not just here by accident. We're, 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 we're here because God has a purpose for us. We're not just part of you know, evolution, some big bang. No, God has created us for such a time as this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God has a plan for your life and mine. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do God's the good things that God has prepared for us. We are knit together in our mother's womb let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us the text is saying there is a race that is marked out for us well the question is how and that's what we've been exploring in this series now I believe that there are certain qualities attributes essential tools that have been revealed in scripture that can help us guide us ensure that we do experience what God has for us. So far, we looked at a couple of those. One was vision. We looked at that a few weeks ago. Last week, we looked at convictions. Today, I want to speak about the third tool, which is the power of choice, the power of decisions, the power of the habits that we form in our lives. Kevin Gerrard says, your future doesn't happen to you it happens through you if we want to live the life that God has called us to live if we want to run the race that is marked out for us we need to see our future as something that we can influence we need we need to see our future as something we can direct something we can define we can't change the past but we can change tomorrow we, we, if, if we're going to run the race marked out for us, we, we need to have an understanding in our lives that tomorrow can be lived differently. We may not be able to change what happened yesterday. We can't change the decisions that were made, the stuff that has happened to us, but we can influence tomorrow. We need to believe that we're not a victim of our circumstances, but a product of our choices. We need to under, can I hear an amen this morning? Yeah, you're with me. Uh, we, 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 we need to be careful that we don't settle for a victim mindset that says, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm just a victim of life. God said to the people of Israel, this day I'll call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. God says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. God said to the people of Israel, I've set before you two paths. One is life and one is death. One is blessings and one is going to lead to curses. And then God says, now you choose life so that you may live. But listen, it's not just a choice that's going to affect you. It's a generational choice. It's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect your children as well. 
And what God is saying is the choices we make have the, inf- the power to influence our futures. It's a really important principle for us to understand. We don't have to be victims of our circumstances in the name of Jesus. We don't have to be victims of the past of, of either stuff that other people have done or dumb decisions that we have made. We don't have to be victims of our circumstances. We can define our futures. We can influence our futures by the grace of God and for the glory of God. We've got to believe that. We have the ability to influence what our life is going to be like by our choices, decisions, the habits that we form in our lives. Now, ultimately, if we make the right choices, it's by the grace of God. Ultimately, when we're faced with with with, you know, two roads, A and B, or two, two choices, A and B. Ultimately, if we make the right decision, it's by the grace of God. If we form the right habits in life, it's by the grace of God. But we should never underestimate our responsibility in the process of spiritual growth. You see, when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to the decisions and the choices that we make in life, um, we, we, ne- we never approach the, 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 the choosing of you know, either left or right. We never, we never come to that position in, from a neutral perspective. It's never just, oh, shall I go A or shall I go B? We, 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 we never just go, well, let me analyze the benefits of A and the benefits of B, the consequences of A, the consequences of B, and then, and then we, we validate that and then, and then make a decision. It's not as simple as that. When, when we come to that position where we need to make a decision, we come with some baggage. Some of that baggage, baggage is generational baggage. It's stuff that has been happening in our, in our, in, in, for generations. It's, it's the great-grandparents, the grandparents. The, it's stuff that's been passed on from one, from one generation to the next generation. We don't even know sometimes what they are, but it influences whether we go A or B. You've heard the story about the lady that's, um, I don't know exactly how it goes, but you'll get, the, you'll get the principle. She's cooking a chook and she breaks the legs off, chucks it into the oven. And, uh, and then someone one day asks her, why do you break the legs off when you're, Cook the chook. Anyway, she looks got no idea. Asks her mum. Mum says, "I don't know. It was grandma used to do it that way." I asked grandma, "Why do you cut the legs off when you?" And she said, "Well, the only reason why I cut the legs off because the oven was too small." <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> For generations, they don't even know why. It's just it's just happened in generations. You'll see some stuff in families that are generational. So when we, when we approach the whole decision, I've got to make a decision here, we don't come from a neutral perspective. We come with some baggage. How many people here have got some baggage? Come on. Everyone has. Come on. <laughs> we all have got some stuff in there. And it's an awareness, it's an awareness of that. And there's some series maybe next year on, on, on some of this just to unpack that. We, ne- we never approach A or B from a neutral perspective. We're carrying some stuff that, that influences whether we go A or B. For some people, alcoholism is in... It, it, yes, they made the choice. Yes, it's their responsibility. But they've come from a, from a, from a, from a lineage of this stuff. For some people, it's anger that's been passed over. My great-grandfather, he was amazing, at, you know, angry. And, and, and it's just been passed on from one generation. We approach 
what A or B with a, from a perspective of what's happened generationally. That's why I love, I love what the scripture says. The, it says here, choose life or death because it's going to influence you. But just don't, under, don't, don't, don't just believe that the decision is going to influence you. It's going to influence the generations that come after you. Every decision is not just a neutral decision. It's a decision that influences and impacts not only our lives, but also uh, other lives that come before, uh, come after us. And the other one is, is what affects us is also learned behavior. It's not what's been passed on generationally, but it's stuff that's happened to us that affects how we think and how we feel. It's got nothing to do with, with what's been passed on. It's the experiences that we've had that influence whether I go A or B. Now, some of that stuff, a lot of that stuff that happens to us that affects how we think and how we view the world. Most of the stuff that happens to us happens in, you know, like up to seven, eight years old, where we've got no, we've got no control over that in, in, in and of ourselves. It's just stuff that has happened. And the stuff that has happened influences how we think and how we feel. And so we approach A or B, and what's going to influence A or B is going to be all this stuff that ultimately we've had no control over. And it's the truth. But so many times we want to go A. But everything in our body is saying, let's go B. So often we want to do the right thing. But just every, everything in our being is pulling toward... Paul says in Romans chapter 7, I know what I should do, I know what I should be doing, I know what I could, I know, I know there's the right thing to do, but there's something inside of me that always wants to go the wrong way. So we're going to understand this. Next year I'll unpack it a bit more, but it's just powerful. We've got to understand that there's a lot of stuff that influences how we make decisions. Now, not only those things, but we also have the Spirit of God that influences how we make decisions. Can I hear an amen? amen? Ultimately, if we make the right choices, it's the grace of God that when we approach A or B, despite all of the baggage, despite everything that's happened, despite how we're wired, when we come there, you know, everything inside of us wants to go B, but we choose to go A by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God. But we should never underestimate our responsibility in the process. Spiritual growth. The Bible says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who works in you to willing to act according to his good purpose. Spiritual development is a product of the grace of God and our response to the grace of God. Spiritual development is a product of the grace of God, but it's our response to the grace of God. We're not just passive observers. We don't just sit and, and God does everything for us. We respond to the grace of God. And that's what makes our choices so powerful. I'm going to ask James to come forward here today. Everybody, will you give James a big hand? He's the fit specimen of a human being here today. I'm going to ask James to do 10 push-ups. I was going to do the 10 push-ups, but I'll probably only get through two. So I've asked James. He's going to, he's going to do 10 push-ups for it. Come on, give him a big hand. Encourage him. Just make sure he's doing them right. Are we ready? Come on, let's count him in. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep, another ten, another ten. No, but <laughs> give him a big hand. Come on, get, get, go sit down. 
many people know that James doing those 10 push-ups didn't help us one bit? <laughs> you and me are not fitter because he did the push-ups. You're not stronger. I'm not stronger because he did the push, push-ups. Your abs are not more defined because James did those push-ups. Here's, here's the thing. No one can do push-ups for you or me. You can't pay someone to do your push-ups for you. You can't pay someone to go to the gym at 6 a.m. for you and do exercises for you. Can I hear an amen? You can't do that. Your mum can't do push-ups for you. Your best friend can't do push-ups for you. If you want to get the benefits of push-ups, you need to do your own. And God gave you and me the ability to do push-ups. Everyone can do them. Maybe, maybe you can do belly one. Maybe, maybe you need to build yourself up to do one of them. But you and I can do them. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. No one can read the Bible for you. No one can go to church for you. No one can read a book for you. No one can do life ministry school for you. No one can make friends for you. No one can lose weight for you. You you need to understand that's exactly how life works. And the reality is not even God can do it for us. He can guide you. He can encourage you. He can cheer you on. But ultimately, if we want to be the person that God has called us to be, we need to make the right choices. And we have the Holy Spirit. We have God who's cheering us on continuously. But ultimately, if we want to be the people that God has called us to be, we need to make the right choices. And making right choices is not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. It's what God does to transform the human heart. One of the essential tools to running the race that God has called us to run are the choices, the decisions, the habits that we develop in our lives. We will experience the fruit of the choices that we make. And now, to help us quickly unpack this, I want to look at the scripture that we read in our text. One of the metaphors that the Bible uses to describe decisions is is seeds, or the habits that we form is seeds. Decisions are like seeds. They bring in a harvest. So as we read in our text, Paul says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh shall reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit shall reap eternal life. And Paul here is speaking about the law of sowing and reaping. A law simply means that it's always going to be like that. It's always true. And so there are three laws or three principles that come out of here that I want to kind of share with you briefly the first principle is pretty simple you reap what you sow come straight out of the text don't be deceived God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows every time you plant a seed you get a harvest a harvest that corresponds with the seed that you planted if you plant beans you're going to get beans (laughs) if you plant grapes you're going to get grapes if you plant grapes you're not going to get beans some people think that way And Paul here isn't speaking about, you know, seeds. He's not giving an autocultural lesson. Paul is speaking about life. He's speaking about decisions. He's speaking about our decisions. And Paul is saying, if we continue to plant bad decisions, then that's the harvest that we're going to get. If we keep on sinning, if we keep on giving in to temptation, if we spend time with the wrong people, if we're disrespectful, selfish, angry, unforgiving, undisciplined, It's going to come back to us. Hosea says, but you have planted wickedness 
and you have reaped evil. It's a, it's, a, it's a law in the natural and it's a law in the spiritual as well. It's such a simple principle to understand and yet it's so profound. What you sow, you reap. Zig, Zig Ziglar said, your life is a result of your choices. If you don't like your life, start making better choices. If you, don't, if you don't like the harvest that you're receiving in your life, start planting different kind of seeds. I love what one translation says, don't be fooled, you can't outsmart God. A man gathers a crop from what he plants. The consequences of our choices are not punishment or victimization, they are simply a harvest. Some people say, some people look at the harvest that they're receiving or that they're gathering and they go, oh, you know, everything goes bad for me or, you know, everybody, everybody's against me and, and blah, 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 blah. They're blaming everybody else for what's happening in the, for the harvest that they're receiving when it's got absolutely nothing to do with the harvest or the people around you. It's got to do with the seeds that you're planting. If you don't like what you're reaping, change what you're sowing. Paul says, but if you plant good seed, you're going to reap a great harvest. And I wonder, is there some area in your life that you want to be different? Is there an area in your life where you want to reap a different kind of a harvest? Maybe it's time to start planting some different kind of seeds. Maybe it's time to start planting some seeds of prayer. Reading the word. Church is a priority kind of seeds. No, it's a conviction in my spirit. We're going to go to the house of God. The church is a, is a priority. It's not number two or number three. Maybe it's time to start planning generosity, a godly attitude. Maybe, maybe it's time to start planning forgiveness. Maybe it's, 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 a, it's time to start to forgive those that have hurt you in the name of Jesus. It's saying sorry seeds. There's a few seeds that I don't like. It's discipline, seeds of discipline, loving people, being happy instead of grumpy all the time. <laughs> Some people are in a mood all the time. It's not just Mondays, it's Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Amen. If you want to change the harvest in your life, change the seeds that you're planting. It's such a simple principle and yet it's so profound. So often we complain about our lives and what's happening in our lives. And, 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 but the reality is we are where we are or where we are is a product of the choices that we've made. We want to change where you are, change the seeds, change the choices and the decisions that you're making. Second thought is don't underestimate the power of one seed. What you sow, God multiplies. Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable about the sower. He says the seed fell on different kinds of soil. Some fell on hard soil, rocky soil, soil with weeds. Some of the soil fell on, on good soil. Some of the seed fell on good soil and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus is saying the seed that fell on good soil multiplied. It produced so much more than the original seed. It's a law. It's a law in nature. It's a law in the spiritual as well. And here's the thing. Most of us don't value the power of one decision. We think, well, what difference can one decision actually make? What difference can one good choice actually make? Darren Hardy has written a book called The Compound Effect. And his formula for change is really quite simple. It says this, small, smart choices plus consistency, 
plus time equals radical difference. He says the real cost of a $4 a day coffee habit over 20 years is $51,833. It's the power of the compound effect. I, I can't remember the last time I paid $4 for a coffee. <laughs> paid a lot more than that. It's the compound effect. Ne- never, never underestimate the power of the little decisions. Never, never underestimate the power of those little choices, those little habits that we make in life. So often, we think what's going to make the biggest difference in my life, spiritually, it's going to be that one conference. It's going to be that one preacher, that one church. People are chasing that one message that's going to radically transform their lives. It's that one prophetic word. They're forever chasing the prophets to get that one prophetic word that's going to radically change their life. I'm not against prophetic words. I believe in, in, the, in, in words of prophecy. Uh, I, I believe in all of that kind of stuff. But my experience has been in my life that the greatest prophetic words I've ever received have been when I've been in the presence of God and God has spoken a word into my spirit. And by the way, the external prophetic words only confirm what God has already been speaking to us about. Some people are always chasing that one thing that's going to radically change their life. When the reality is it's the small, seemingly insignificant little decisions that we make every single day that make the greatest difference in our lives. Bible says it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. That's absolutely true. What that verse also says, it's the little decisions that build a great vineyard. It's the little foxes that destroy them, but it's the little decisions that build a a, a prosperous and, and fruitful harvest and a great life. It's the daily routines, the daily habits that when done with intentionality and purpose, like reading your Bible and praying, coming to church, choosing to do what Christ would do. What would Jesus do in this situation? It's choosing. It's choosing to do the right thing again and again. That makes the greatest difference in our life. It's the accumulation of all the little decisions that enabled us to be the people that God has called us to be. Pastor Joe, how can I be everything that God has called me to be? How can I run the race that is marked out for us? I'm waiting for that one, that one thing that's going to, that burning bush experience, that whatever, and those do happen in life. I'm not against all of those, but ultimately what's going to ensure that we run the race that God has called us to be, it's those little decisions that we make every single day. I wish it was more complicated but it's not. Craig Groeschel says, it's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results that everybody wants. It's the small things that no one sees that lead to the big results that everyone wants. Don't underestimate the value of a single decision. Don't underestimate the value of the small, insignificant decisions can make in our lives. Third principle is you reap what you consistently sow. You reap what you consistently sow. You don't reap in the same season that you plant. You usually reap in a different season. It's a law in the natural. It's a law in the spiritual as well. When you plant that that plant, when you plant that tree, you're not going to get a harvest immediately. It's going to take some time. It's true in the natural. It's also true in the spiritual, which is why... Paul says, so let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest. Let us not become weary in doing good, in making the right small decisions, the right choices, 
for at the right time, we're going to reap a harvest. Again, Darren Hardy's formula for change is pretty simple. It's small, smart choices. It's small, right decisions. Plus consistency. It's making those decisions continuously. Plus time equals radical difference. Problem is when we do the small right things, a lot of time we don't see fast results. You don't see immediate change, so you get discouraged and you feel like giving up. Story of my life. Uh, Simon Sinek uh, has written uh, a great book called Why, and he says this, if you go to the gym and you work out and you look in the mirror, you will see nothing. Amen. And if you go to the gym the next day, again, you will see no change. So clearly there are no results, therefore it must not be effective, so we quit. However, if we believe that what we're doing is right and we stick with it, at some point we will see a difference. He says, it's not about the events, it's not about intensity, it's about consistency. So often, you know, we kind of, you know, hear a message and, and we get all excited. It's January 1, New Year's resolution, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And so for two weeks, we go full on. Some people, you know, they get convicted in a sermon and, and oh, I'm going to start praying and I'm going to fast. And for two weeks, they do. But after two weeks, they see no results. And they go, well, this doesn't work. And then they give up. Simon Sinek said, this is true in marriage, in health, and it's true in our walk with God. He says, it's not about the events. It's not about intensity. It's about consistency. Effectiveness is about the lots and lots of little things that by themselves seem pointless, but when done with intentionality and consistency, help us to achieve more than they could ever achieve by themselves. Here's another guy, Christopher Summer, a world-renowned gymnastics coach. This is what he said. He said, dealing with the temporary frustration of not making progress is an integral part of the path towards excellence. In fact, it is something that every single elite athlete has had to learn to deal with. Dealing with the temporary frustration of not making progress is an integral part of the path towards excellence. If the pursuit of excellence was easy, everyone would do it, he says. The secret is to show up, do the work and go home. Except that quality long-term results require quality long-term focus. No emotion, no drama, no beating yourself up over small bumps in the road. Learn to enjoy and appreciate the process. This is especially important because you're going to spend more time on the actual journey than with those all too brief moments of triumph in the end. This is so true of my life. Go to the physio, went to the physio a few, I don't know, a year ago, whatever, problems with my shoulder. See, the physio, physio says, okay, what you need to do is you need to do exercise X, Y, and Z. Number one, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. As soon as I walk out the door, I can't remember the exercises. It's, it's, it's so simple to, he goes, yeah, 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 I can do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I walk out the door, I can't remember them anymore. Anyway, he says, you've got to get the elastic band. So I go to the shops immediately and get the elastic band. And so the next morning I'm up and I'm doing the exercise that I'm going to do. And then the morning after that, I do it again. Three days in, I don't see any change. No change. So what do I do? I give up <laughs> and I stop. But isn't that what we all do? It's true in life. <laughs> we have a saint in the congregation. <laughs> but it's so true. And, you know, what, what I love about some of the quotes from some of these guys is they understand the power of pushing through they understand principles that we as a church often have not understood and yet these principles 
come straight out of scripture. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the right time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. A lot of times the reason why we think some people do well is because of good luck or good genes or good family background. Most people do well because they do the right things consistently over time. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. People don't just accidentally pay off their debt. It's every day they learn to save. Every single day they learn to save. I was meeting with someone uh, recently, quite wealthy and He's got all these coffee cards in his wallet, coffee cards. You know, the coffee vouchers, if you, you buy six coffees, you get the seventh one free or whatever, wherever it is. And I'm kind of laughing inside of myself, but I thought there's a principle right there. It's those little things. Every single day, that all add up together to help us to be where we, where we want to be. People don't accidentally have a great marriage. It takes work, intentionality. We say sorry when we mess up, Amen. We apologize. We put God first. We work hard at the marriage. People don't accidentally get close to God. They don't just wake up one morning and feel like they can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's daily spending time with Jesus. It's daily learning to hear the voice of the Spirit. It's daily conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm confronted with A and B. And I ask myself the question, what would Jesus do? What does the word of God say I should do? And we choose consistently, not all the time, but we choose consistently what God says we should do. And by the grace of God, we gradually become more and more like Jesus. There are some of you here today, you feel like giving up. You're not seeing any progress. I want to challenge you, don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up giving, serving, fighting to stay pure, overcoming that addiction. Don't give up because the word of the Lord says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the right time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If you put water on a hot stove, it will begin to heat up at 100 degrees. At 100 degrees, it starts to boil. So it's kind of heat up, 50, 60, 70, 80 degrees. At 100 degrees, it starts to boil. Now, interestingly, at 90 degrees... The water is hot, but it's still not boiling. At 91 degrees, not boiling. 92, 93, 94. At 99 degrees, the water is still not boiling. But then at some point, if, if you continue to heat the water up, it's going to click over from 99 to 100 and start boiling. Life is like that. If we consistently keep on sowing, doing the right thing, obeying God, then one day we're going to wake up and our marriage is going to be better by the grace of God. Our bodies are going to be healthier. We're going to be in a better financial position by the grace of God. And people will look at us and they'll say, oh, they're just lucky. And that's not the truth. And the reason why we are where we are is because we've understood some really important principles. Power of sowing and reaping power of small decisions and the power of consistently doing what is right and never giving up until we get the rewards. If you keep on doing what you've always been doing, you're going to keep on getting the results you've always been getting. Good intentions don't determine our future. It's good decisions that do. Hoping doesn't change our lives. It's good 
choices, good decisions, good habits that actually change our lives. So in life, we have a choice. We can spend our whole life trying to understand the secret things. Why did this happen to me? They're good, they're good questions and good questions to ask. Makes no sense or don't understand. We can spend our whole life focusing on the things in our life that we have no control over and don't fully understand. It's the secret things of life. Or we can fo focus on the things that have been revealed, the truths, the principles, the wisdom. And as we daily implement those principles, they're going to help us run the race that God has marked out for us. They help us to be everything that God has called us to be. We've spoken about three different tools over the series. We've spoken about vision, convictions. And today we've spoken about the right choices, decisions that we need to make. If we do that consistently, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's a great example of this principle in Scripture. It's in the life of Joseph. God gave Joseph a vision about his future. He has a dream. God gave him a picture of what was going to happen in his life in the future. And we know that Joseph was a man of conviction. When Potiphar's wife, you know, wanted to sleep with him, he ran. Could have easily given in. But he was a man of conviction. He was a person who knew God and loved God. And said, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? He lived by certain convictions. Vision is not enough. What we need is to, is to understand what we believe, know what we believe. Have convictions that are based on God's Word. Because we understand that God's Word is truth. And he could have easily focused on the wise of life. Betrayed by his brothers. Ends up in, in Egypt as a slave. Ends up in a prison cell for doing nothing wrong. He could have easily focused on the wise of life. And let a bitter spirit influence his future. He could have taken the mindset of a victim because he was a victim. Instead, every day he served the purposes of God. Instead, every, every, every time he was faced with A and B, he decided, I'm going to please God. I'm going to do the right thing. Again and again, he chose to do what was right. And the vision of God was, that God gave him was fulfilled. I wonder, are there some decisions that you and I need to make today? Not big decisions, just the small ones. So often we assess our life on the big events. Really, our lives should be assessed on the small little decisions that we make in life. Are there some small decisions that we need to make? Small changes that we need to make. Small things that need to be implemented. Because it's those decisions that will help us be everything that God has called us to be. It's those small things that will help us to get to the end of our life and say like Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Can I hear an amen? Let's all stand together.
Um, where we are today in life is the product of thousands of decisions that we have made in the previous 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Where we are today is the product of thousands of decisions that we have made in the previous 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Where we will be in 20 years' time is the product of the choices we make today. And, you know, we can kind of just be the victims of life and just allow urgency, just allow the pressures of life to kind of guide us and kind of end up somewhere in 20 years' time. Or we can influence where we end up in 20 years' time. How do we do that? We start to make the right choices. Read the Word. Apply the principles of God's Word into our life. We choose life instead of death. We choose blessing instead of cursing. We choose to understand and know the principles of God's Word. Why is Life Ministry School so important? Because it helps us to understand the principles of God's Word. And it's not just the principles, it's the Spirit of the Word of God that we can then implement in our lives that are going to help us be everything that God has called us to be. Went to Bible college when I was 18 years old. A few of us went and spent maybe a year or two in Bible college, did a whole range of subjects, Old Testament, New Testament, church history, Christology, demonology, ain't, I know it all. Okay. Went to Bible college. I don't remember anything. <laughs> Nothing. Eschatology, when is Jesus coming back? Got no idea. Pre-trib, post-trib, whatever it is, I got no idea. But you know, it was, it, what impacted me more than anything else was not the knowledge, but it was, it was the spirit of those that were actually delivering the lectures. It's not so much you were taught something, but you caught something. And it's, you caught the spirit of God's word. You caught the spirit of God through these people. It has such a profound impact on my life. It's influenced the decisions that I've made by his grace and for his glory. So I want to, I want to encourage you. <laughs> We don't have to be victims in life. Be the people that God has called you to be. Be everything that God wants you to be by His grace and for His glory. And so, Father, I just thank you for this word. I just pray that we would understand the, the simplicity of your word. That what you offer before us is not something which is so great that cannot be achieved, it's just simple. Simple decisions that have the capacity to influence our lives greatly. Father, we don't want to just exist. We don't want to just go through the motions of life. Father, we don't want to just limp over the finish line. We want to be everything you've called us to be. As individuals and as a church. So guide us by your Spirit. Lead us by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your love. Continue to guide us. I pray that these principles will become a revelation in our hearts 
that guide us. We don't want to get to the end of our life and look back and say we could have, we should have, we might have, what could have been. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't want that, Lord God. We want to be everything you've called us to be. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week. And we'll see you back next Sunday. Amen.